0: You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Loving Heavenly Father, we give you great thanks that you're God who speaks, and we ask, Lord, that you would, by the power of your Holy Spirit, speak to us now through your word and through me, your servant. This we ask through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. You may be seated. Well, if you would turn in your bulletin back to the Acts reading... Uh, just a page back, and and follow along with me so you can make sure what I'm saying is trustworthy and true. Well, I wonder what your priorities are for 2023. It feels weird saying that, doesn't it? 2023. I guess you guys aren't saying it. I'm saying that. Uh, With the new year, we get a chance to reflect on what has happened this past year, a chance to think about what we are thankful to God for, things that we wish we had more time for, gives us a chance to reassess what we want for our futures. Where do I want to spend my time, my energy, my money in 2023? Maybe you want to read more or exercise more or spend less time on social media or maybe become an influencer and spend more time on social media. Do you want to learn more or travel more or earn more money? Spend more time with your family, spend less time with your family. Whatever it may be, I wonder what your priorities are for 2023. In the midst of all of these things, where does God fit? Is he at the bottom or at the top or somewhere in the middle of your list? Was he your first thought or your afterthought? I bring this up not to condemn you, but I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to lift your eyes up from your phone or from your stomach or from your Paycheck or wherever they may be, I'm kind of revealing myself here, a little too much. Lift them up from those places and put them on Jesus. Because as we'll see in this passage, everything is about him. He is the Lord of all and he is the saviour of all. And the whole of the Bible points and talks about him. So just to give you some context of what's happening in this passage in Acts chapter 10... The book of Acts recounts the work of God in the period right after Jesus' ascension into heaven, when he leaves the earth and goes to his Father in heaven. Just before the book of Acts, Jesus has died and risen again to new life, and he has now ascended into heaven to sit at the right hand of his Father. In Acts chapter 2, at the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit is poured out on all the disciples in Jerusalem, and they begin to witness to the whole world the good news of Jesus Christ. And this is what we see in our passage here in Acts chapter 10. The Apostle Peter is preaching the gospel to a Roman centurion named Cornelius and to his family. And Peter begins his sermon with this groundbreaking revelation that he's just comprehended, which is that God shows no partiality. What he means is that God no longer accepts people on the basis of their birthright or their nationality. Now this might seem obvious to you and to me, we preach it every week and we see it all throughout the Bible, but for Peter this was a radical change, this was a radical thing to say. For the God that Peter knows is the God of Abraham, of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of Israel, who chose Israel to be his chosen people. They had a privileged position in the kingdom of God. They were to be his representatives on earth, his holy and set-apart people. And being a member of the nation of Israel was equal to being a part of God's people, being a part of God's family. But in the beginning of chapter 10, God appeared to Peter and told him that the things that he had previously called unclean, they are now clean. And Peter realizes in his visit to Cornelius that God just wasn't talking about food in this instance. He also meant people. The Gentiles who were previously considered to be unclean outside the kingdom of God, they are now to be considered as clean. They are now able to come into the family of God. In verse 44, just after our passage, which you can't see here, we learn that as Peter is saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard Peter's words, mirroring the events that occurred just a few chapters before at Pentecost. In God's eternal plan of salvation, he has always included the salvation of all the nations. And yet in his great wisdom, he chose to work through one nation, Israel. But they were meant to be a great light to all the nations. Right back at the beginning in Genesis, God promised to Abraham that through him all the nations would be blessed. And so here we see those promises being fulfilled as these Gentiles receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the blessing of God upon them. And because of this, you no no longer need to become a Jew to be a part of God's family. The kingdom of God is open. The, The gates have been thrown open wide for all who believe in the name of Jesus Christ. Entry into God's kingdom is not based on your status or your works. God doesn't judge people by their looks or their paycheck, their house or their car, their Instagram posts, or their fashion sense. Because he does not look at the outward appearance of people. God looks at the heart. I wonder if there are people in your life that you think are too far from the kingdom of God. Maybe you might think about that for yourself. But is there a friend or a family member that you think that they would never become a Christian? Well, what we see here is that God's love and grace extends to all people, not just to the Jews. It doesn't matter who they are, what they look like, how they appear. His love is not just for those who look and seem like good people, not just for the religious people. It's available for all who call upon his name. And this is because Jesus is the Lord of all and he is the saviour of all. And it's all about him. We see this in Peter's sermon as he puts the focus squarely on Jesus and what God is doing through him and in him. for uh, From his baptism in Galilee, his miracles throughout Jesus' ministry, to his crucifixion, resurrection, and appearance to the disciples, he says that this same Jesus God has now appointed to be the judge of the whole world. Look at verse 42 with me again. And he commanded us to preach, to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be the judge of the living and the dead. Peter goes uh, to great length to proclaim that the God of Israel is the same one who has appointed Jesus his son to be judge of all people. That is, as he says in verse thirty six, to be the Lord of all. God's authority is not over a particular group of people, but over the whole entire world. And this is true also from the beginning, from the very beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God is the creator and sustainer of all things. In him we live and move and have our being. And because of this, we all have to answer to him. He has a right over our life. He is the ruler of each and every one of us. He is the one who gives life and he is the one who takes it away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. But through his resurrection from the dead, God the Father has exalted and appointed Jesus to sit on the throne as king over all people. As the king, he also becomes the judge of all people, of those who are living and of those who have already passed away. And so sooner or later, each and every one of us will appear before his throne to give an account of their life. As the ascended king, Jesus has taken his rightful place in time and space. So I wonder, what place does Jesus occupy in your life? Is he the king or is he merely your servant to help you in your time of need? Do you bow before his throne or do you ask him to bow before your throne? While the fact that Jesus is judge of the living and dead might seem frightening, uh, it can be very a terrifying thing to think about it's actually good news because the judge of all is also the savior of all look at verse 43 again with me to him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name jesus is not some tyrannical king who slaughters men and women and children for no reason not moved by whim and fancy of each day he is just and right and true he is strong and kind his lordship is good news because of the revelation of love that we've seen in the cross of jesus christ the sign of his love and through which he offers salvation to all people the god who sits on the throne is the same god who came down and would humbled himself to the point of death even to death on the cross so that we might have life in him through jesus death and resurrection we are brought back into relationship with god because of this instead of being considered enemies and rebels against god we are brought into his family that he might look on us in the same way that he looked at jesus at his baptism and say you are my beloved son You are my beloved daughter. With you I am well pleased. I don't think I'm the only one who needs to hear those words today. So let me say them to you again. For those who are in Christ Jesus, the triune God, the creator of heaven and earth, looks down from heaven and says, You are my beloved daughter. You are my beloved son. And with you I am well pleased. Praise be to God. But I need to give a little bit of a caveat when I say that Jesus is the saviour of all because we see in this passage that this privilege is not for everyone. When I say that Jesus is the saviour of all, I don't mean that all people will be saved. Peter explains that the whole of the Bible bears witness to the fact that forgiveness of sins is for everyone who believes in Jesus and a salvation that comes through him, through having faith in him. This comes through accepting the forgiveness of sins that he has brought for us in his death on the cross. But as we have seen, the good news of God's grace is that this salvation is available for all people, whether Jew or Gentile, male or female. All are welcome to lay down their life and put their trust in Jesus. Well, I want to circle back to the question I asked at the beginning. What what place does Jesus hold in your priorities for 2023? Maybe you haven't accepted the free gift of, God, of God's grace that he offers you. And this is the year that you are honest with yourself and your, your need for salvation. Or maybe you do already know the forgiveness of your sins and have asked Jesus for it. And yet Jesus doesn't play a central role in your life. I want to encourage you to rethink your priorities if this is the case. Asking how can I give Jesus his rightful place in my life as Lord of my life, because he alone is worthy. He alone deserves to rule over your life. In Revelation we read, Worthy is a lamb who was slain, to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honour and glory and blessing. The King of ages, the immortal, invisible, the only God, to him be honour and glory forever and ever. Amen. Let me pray. Dear loving Heavenly Father, we give you great thanks for the gift of your Son, that through him we might be brought into your family. Lord, we ask by the power of your Holy Spirit, would you uh, let him take his rightful place in our life? Would you help us to reorganize our priorities around him, that we might worship him as Lord of all? We thank you for the salvation he has offered us and that he has won for us in his death and resurrection. We ask that our lives might reflect a life of great thankfulness for him. Father, all this we ask, all this we pray, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you will join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.